Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. Live from FinCon, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's cousin Diana, and on today's show, we're hanging out with some of the best and brightest in the financial community. And today, we're asking them what members of their community are worrying about when it comes to their money right now. Helping us today, we welcome one half of Rich and Regular, Julian Saunders. And from Afford Anything, this year's FinCon MC, Paula Pants. And from this podcast, OG. But that's not all. We have a special Wednesday edition of our trivia challenge. And now, a guy who's probably had way too much coffee. Joe Salcihai. I think I agree with Julian. I haven't had enough Torchy's tacos is what I haven't had enough of. Hey, everybody. Welcome to FinCon. Woo! We're here. I got Julian and Diana on my left. Paula and OG way down there on my right, way which is good. There. Yes, because uh, your uh, your deodorant needs some help, big guy. And so does your breath. Thanks. <laughs> and there we go. That's the way we begin the Stacky Benjamin Show. So glad you're here with us. Let's say hello to the team. Nice beginning, Diana, by the way. Thanks so much. I practiced all morning. We got Julian Saunders here. How are you? I am great and suddenly self-conscious about my breath. <laughs> you were you were just on the big stage. You and Kirsten just absolutely lit it up. Fantastic job. Thank you very much. It was great to be here. Well, tell everybody out there and uh, all our stackers uh, what Rich and Regular is all about. I feel like there's two people that might not know what you guys are all about, but... Yes, this is the second time we've spoken, I think, in the last six months, and my wife has not been here, so this is starting to feel <laughs> a little think. bit like a bromance. But it, we, it kind of is. It I is. mean, from my perspective, it is. I'm enjoying it, man. Um, <laughs> no, but we're having a great time. Um, you know, we started with a blog. It's since blossomed into a podcast. We have a video series called Money on the Table, where we blend our love for food, wine, and all things sort of entertainment. It is, finance. by the way... This is not a professionally done video series, Paula. This this video series has an effing trailer. I mean, Ooh. this is like over the top professionally done. Have you have wow. you seen have you seen it? I have not. not you, yet. What are you doing? I know, right? What am I doing with my life? I get not getting Star Wars and Star Trek, but not getting <laughs> Julian's thing. Uh, yet. Yes. yes. Operative order. On the yet. table. Yes, not yet. Yet. Maybe one day we'll even have Paula at the table. Oh, oh I love that. I there love it that. Is. Seriously. Let's do it. Yeah. Perfect. You heard, heard it, it here first. first. Okay, so it. he says we have a bromance, but you got invited first. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know what exactly. the hell's going on there, but Paula Pan's here. I sure am. Hello. Yes. And t- speaking of busy. I know, right? I have been up since 6 a.m. I was wearing a sequined, bedazzled dress and high heels at 6.30 in the morning. In a dog park. Oh, the dog park was yesterday. Oh, yesterday was sorry. Three hours I can't keep up. I know, right? Yesterday was three hours in hair and, uh, hair and makeup plus heels to spend the day in a dog park. And the guy normally sitting across the card table from me, but today way at the end of the hall, Mr. OG. Way, way down here. I am yeah. not wearing a bedazzled sequin dress. <laughs> Which is strange for you. <laughs> yes. yes, I left mine in the hotel room. Yes, that's that's later, after the Plutus Awards. we Much got a great later. show today. We're going to talk about what's happening in all of your communities. I'm excited to hear really what people are worrying about. What, what about their money? Maybe we can put their minds at ease a little bit. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, let's get this party started. Music sounds appropriate being in Austin, doesn't it? It does. Like Austin, Texas. Fantastic. Uh, Julian, you're the guest of honor. Let's start with you, man. For you and Kirsten, when you're getting emails from from people, listeners, viewers, what are they what are they worried about right now? Worried. There's a lot to be worried about right now. I don't know if it's so much worried, but I think people are just kind of confused. There's so much content and conflicting information out there. Everything is sort of labeled as an opportunity. It's super exciting. You've got new currencies and new ways of taking advantage of things and becoming a millionaire overnight. Uh, and so I think that's part of what is kind of worrying people and concerning them. They don't really know what to believe, who to believe, what works, what path, what combination of things to do. And so there's just a lot of sort of talk and chatter and gibberish and people just don't really know where to start. It's, it's I think we've completely <laughs> lost track of like the fundamentals. Well, it's a great place to start, but and, and let's throw that around here. Paula, you and I think have had this conversation before. Everybody says there's not enough, there's not enough information, mm-hmm. right? There's not enough information. I'm with Julian. I think there's way too much information. You know what's funny is the people who are not actively searching for information believe that there's not enough. And the people who are actively searching for it believe that there's too much. Believe there's like a fire hose. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So it's look and you shall find. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's the problem then, Julian? Back to you. If the information's out there, how do we make people thirsty for it then? I will say one of the things that that I've enjoyed, and and this kind of seems like a bit of a gimme, but like when you come to conferences like FinCon and you can actually meet people, a lot of maybe some of their suggestions or tactics or experiences just seem a bit more real, right? So you can actually meet someone that can say, I've done this, I've lived it, and this is what I've experienced. And all of a sudden those types of paths or things that they've done might seem a little bit more uh, repeatable. So you'd encourage people to reach out to their favorite creators and have more of a one-on-one relationship. Yeah, and and I think a lot of what we've gone through over the last year where we really have sort of, I think, lost a sense of discernment because we've been so disconnected from meeting people. And so all you really see is the sizzle and even like the trailers or whatever it is. It gets kind of confusing to see like what's real, what isn't. And so I think it helps to see and meet people in person. And then you can sort of tap into a wider set of, you know, stimuli to say, all right, well, this is real, this isn't, or this is for me and these things aren't. Well, I think there's something else going on there, OG, which is, I think what Julian's also talking about is if you have a one-on-one relationship with some of these people, you can actually verify the source. Because like, you know, we have our Monday TikTok minute and some of the crap we, we we talk about that TikTok is peddling. It just, it, it's horrible. But verifying the source, I think, is a huge thing. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about what Julian said here just a second ago about reaching out to other people and seeing some of the successes that other people have had. Sometimes that can feel a little bit, a little demoralizing, like, oh my gosh, I can never do that. And we think about that when it comes to money too, wherever you are in the stage of your life, whether you're, you know, working on paying off your student loans or getting credit cards taken care of or 
you know, or, or you're trying to build your cash reserve or start your retirement fund or whatever, you see somebody that's ahead of you and you can think like, oh my gosh, I'll, I'll never be there. It's impossible for me to save a million dollars. It's impossible for me to be debt free. And yet you see people who have done it and recognize that they didn't start there. They actually, they kind of went down the same path that you're thinking about. Work through the down. same stuff. They're doing the same stuff. Or just, maybe a little bit different path, but yeah, they had a path too. They're just a little farther down the road than you are, which is also super inspiring. Diana, it seems to me that uh, this must have been the reason you... I don't want this to be an advertisement for the Economy Conference. Why not? But, 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 <laughs> brought, to you by brought to you by Economy. Uh, but this has got to be why you created that conference. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing will ever place us doing this. I like to say I'm much more of a talker than a typer. And for me, I need community, you know? And there's so many amazing online resources and people gathering online talking about personal finance. And I was always so in- intimidated to join that discussion because I just don't like interacting through a screen. Yeah. And so I was looking for solutions to meet people in person. And, you know, as much as my personal finance is my own responsibility, I can't help but feel like it's improved somewhat through osmosis because I'm surrounding myself with people that are doing incredible things with their finances. Yeah. Surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. Paula, where did you start? Like Julian's talking about all these places to start. First personal finance thing that you read or looked at or... Money Magazine was always one of my favorite magazines. I know that's the dorkiest thing in the world to say, but even as a teenager, all my <laughs> friends were reading like Cosmo. I was reading Money Magazine. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? You were the hit me? at all the dance parties. Okay, I know, right? R- raise your hand if that surprises you. <laughs> that Paula at age nine. <laughs> and I also, um, one of the most influential books that I read, and I read this when I was in high school was The Millionaire Next Door. And so when I finally had an opportunity to interview uh, Dr. Sarah Stanley uh, Falla, which she's the daughter of Thomas Stanley, who's one of the co-authors of the book, I was nerding out. Like my 14-year-old inner self was flipping out because that book, um, so to your question, where did I start? I started with Money Magazine and I started with the book The Millionaire Next Door. Okay, but who, who introduced you to those? Ooh, actually, you know, both were just laying around the house. So my parents were not, quote unquote, good with money. Like we never spoke about money, but they at least went through the effort of buying the book and just had it laying around the house. And so I randomly picked it up. Julian, how about you? Where did you start? Oh, man, I was just trying to Google the name of the book. I figured it out. It was actually Think and Grow Rich. Mm. But it was Think and Grow Rich, the Black Choice, I believe it's called. There's literally an African-American version of this book by a uh, doctor. He's a teacher at... Clark Atlanta University. I think his name is Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. He's written several books, but that was actually the first one that was given to me by a mentor uh, maybe 20 years ago. Is part of the reason some people, because you talked about this on the main stage a little bit today, for some people, for people of color, mm-hmm. it seems like there's not nearly enough influencers. There's not enough people that look like you. Was that difficult when you were, when you were starting out? No, because I didn't really know. Like when I was starting out, I was like in my 20s and I was like just interested in money and learning yeah. about it. And it in general did not feel like a space that was for me. To your point, there were maybe two or three personalities and I didn't relate to any of them because they were all 50 year old yeah. people, right? Like there wasn't even at that time, let's say younger celebrities or musicians, like those things didn't even happen yet. We're starting to see a lot more of that now. And I think that's because it works. It's like, all right, let's, who is the translator that can say, let's make these things cool. Let's make it a little bit more accessible. Let's serve people in a way that they want to be served and then use that as a bridge to delivering the exact same message, but we're just sort of making it a little bit more palatable. That's that's what I love about this conference is there's so many people doing so many, I mean, there's only what, 12, 15 different messages, OG? that are out there. There's not that many different messages. And yet the people that are riffing and doing things for their community that speaks directly to their community is inspiring. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in our little bit about the podcast and that we want to just help people where they are and what they need help with at the time that they need help with the thing that they need help with. Uh, If you take it from the perspective of how do I help more people or how do I serve the people that I'm trying to serve, then you look at it from from a whole different perspective as opposed to what's in it for me or what do I want to make sure I say or how do I look good doing this or any of that sort of stuff. Come at it from the perspective of what do the people that I want to help have questions about and how can I answer those questions right now? We're going to have a special edition of our trivia challenge, which Julian's never experienced before. Oh, yeah. I am uh, falling behind on the trivia. It is is going to be tough. But before we get there, 
let's have the other person sitting right next to you with hers. Diana, people at the economy conference, like what do you think people as attendees are starting to sign up? Well, not even starting to sign up. Like people are, there's tons of people signing up. Oh yeah. What, uh, what are they worried about? Well, in this current climate, people are realizing that you could have this plan for financial independence that I'm going to reach it at 40 and then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But we may be in a very different world then. We may not be able to travel. We may be dealing with a global pandemic. So I think there's this balance of how do I plan for the future, but also live for today. I don't want to wait to live my life until I reach financial independence. And that's actually a big topic of conversation at the economy conference and why people come to kind of fuel that inspiration going on their path to to financial independence. But you got to live now too. Well, I think there's also something else there, Julie, and you've been involved with the fire movement for a while and there's a lot of optimizers out there, right? And I think what Diana's talking about is flexibility, Do you think people kind of get too into optimization? Yes, yes. And and I totally understand why. I mean, in most cases, or a lot of the cases that I've seen, like when people are pursuing this as a goal, I mean, it is all consuming, right? And all cards are on the table. What we should know, I think, particularly just spending over the last five, 10 years, and again, going back to my earlier point, you learn this when you start to have more real conversations with people, that there's more to this than just the numbers, right? There's the emotional and the family impact, like, Genuinely, I want to hear more conversations about what is the impact on marriages and family mm-hmm. uh, as you are sort of putting all cards on the table in pursuit of this goal. And, oh, what are you going to do if the market tanks the day you hit your number? Are you, do you suddenly feel less free? Right. And so yep. those are the types of deeper sort of emotional conversations that I'm much more interested in having these days. And to your point, I think people tend to miss because they're just focused on squeezing every single dollar. Yeah. Yeah, a little too laser focused. And then as life changes, like Diana said, everything's optimized for one set of criteria and all of a sudden the game has changed. Paula, I had my head turned away from you, but I could hear your head nodding because that sounds like an (laughs) afford anything podcast. Like seriously, it's all about this matrix of how to think, right? Exactly. And I think what we're talking about is not... It's the expression, seeing the forest through the trees. Wow, nice. Is that how you say it? It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, it's it's don't get so stuck in the weeds that you lose sight of the big picture. Yes. I used to, when I was a financial planner and OG, all of you talked about this too, because you're working with clients now. And uh, I would work with these engineers that would be so stuck on this little minutia, this little detail and making sure that we got this one little thing right. And I remember having to pull some of those people back and go, Dude, you've been saved a dime for retirement. Like, who cares? Who, who cares if this mutual fund has a 0.10 versus 0.12 expense ratio? You haven't saved any money. Yeah, it's sometimes that. It's also thinking about how the different changes throughout your life are going to kind of alter your plans, whether, like Diana said, whether it's something as crazy as global pandemics or it's just like, hey, surprise, I had another kid. Or I want to pay for my kid's school. And before, I didn't think I wanted to do that. Now I'm responsible for my parents in some way, shape, or form. You know, all these different things that happen in our lives. And if you're just kind of on the path of this is the only way to be successful, or this is the only thing that works for me, or this is the only strategy that can only that, that could possibly work, you miss the opportunities. And then you also get paralyzed if something bad does happen. You know, flexibility is really quite important from a planning standpoint, understanding that um, there's always going to be changes along the way. I think there's a distinction between precision and accuracy. So, Joe, what I hear you talk about when you give the example of the engineer that's so specific about a 0.001% difference, that's very precise, but it's not necessarily accurate. You're You're shooting at the wrong target. Exactly. Exactly. One thing I don't see in this community enough, I think, talking about how things are going to change. Diane, you mentioned like, you know, pandemic, things that are external, but things happen in our own family. Like, you know, there was a gentleman here for a number of years, Paula, you'll remember him, Adam Baker, Mm -hmm. who did a documentary about how people don't die at the end of the story. You die in the middle of the story. And like, there's people on their deathbed. He told me the story about this woman on her deathbed. No, she's dying today. And she's worried about like, who's going to pay the water bill next week? Like who? You're you're dead. Like you you know you're not going to be here. Do we? We don't really address those issues though. Like I remember Adam. 
-hmm. because of the fact that he stood out here so much because he's talking about risk management. I feel like in this community, we don't, we don't talk about risk management a lot. Is that because it doesn't sell, Julian? Is it because it doesn't sell? Is it because the SEO is not there or we won't get the eyeballs or we're afraid of it or we don't know what to do or, or what? Uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I will say every time we've tried to broker conversations about issues like that, if you're looking at the analytics, the numbers don't do very They well. don't. But when you ask people and you have conversations, hey, which one of those cop topics or podcasts or videos really stood out to you the most? Which one sort of drove you to action? It's those. So I do think that we're having them, but I think what we're actually struggling with is the social and cultural discomfort in yeah. tackling some of these issues. So I do think just to encourage all the other creators out there, keep having those conversations. It's not going to be your number one, your top 10 or 20 podcast or blog, but it, in my experience, is the one that is actually helping people have healing conversations with people or sort of tackling some of the nitty-gritty details. How have you introduced those topics, Paula? Oftentimes, I'll start with whatever is motivating a person. So if a person's highly motivated to travel or to take an early retirement or to send their kid to college or to have a kid and know that they can financially support one, whatever that why is, we start with the why and then work backwards from there. So then what could possibly get in your way? Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, it's a way to talk about risk management. Exactly, exactly. It's what are the obstacles that could keep you from achieving the goal that you want to achieve? Oh, gee, you're doing this with, with clients all the time. How do you introduce the risk management piece? We call it responsibility. You know, you have to, you can have this great it's crazy plan. talk. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I don't even know what to say after you interrupt me in such, <laughs> a, such a poignant moment. Blah, 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 uh, responsibility. Yeah. No, no, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's risk management. It's because we think about things differently there. It's about being responsible for all the outcomes. You know, you have this plan that's great, but what, what if something goes wrong or something goes right? We a lot of times focus on the bad stuff that can happen, but a lot of good stuff happens too. In fact, more good things happen than bad things statistically. So, you know, that's, important to have a suggestion or an idea. Of I thought you, you were talking about like around risk management, talking about all the good things that can happen. Like, <laughs> hey, by a bus. OG dies. Mrs. OG gets all that money. She's rich. She gets all that life insurance money. And I have a good example of this, um, actually. So about I quit- getting all the life insurance money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, so I, That's I, part I, two. These microphones are hot. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I quit my job in January of this year. And when I was looking at my money, I saw, okay, I have a two-year runway and I've got a little bit of income coming in here. And so I feel like I was analyzing all the risks of, can I make this decision to walk away from my W-2 income? What ended up happening is I didn't anticipate this huge tax return that I was going to get in a couple months. I have been living off of a tax return for eight months. That was not part of my plan. I didn't anticipate that, but because my expenses are so low and easily met, you know, it, it, it was almost like the universe threw me a boat. It's like bonus money. Yeah. Yes. So it's like we, I, I think we plan for the worst and then, you know, sometimes things end up working out in our favor. I think that's a great place. Let's leave it on a positive note. We're at the halfway point, which means our special Wednesday, we never do Wednesday trivia, our special Wednesday edition of the trivia. Normally, Julian, it's our three normal uh, uh, correspondents, our contributors, OG, Paula, and Len Penzo. So today you are Len Penzo. Oh. Now, there's some good news and bad news about being Len Penzo. So do you want do you want the good news or the bad news? Uh, bad news first. Uh, the bad news is you are in second place, my friend, uh-huh. which means that OG is in first place with, let me see if I can get the number. I've got it right here. OG has 13. Len has 12. And Paula has 11. But but it is now October. And you know how like baseball teams, the best baseball teams are playing in October? It's time to close the deal. Time for Paula to get moved. We're going to see. So Paula goes first. You're going to guess second. OG guesses third. All right. You got it? Probably going to go the baseball other way. Baseball plays actually. in October? <laughs> but what's baseball? All I right. Think, I think it's going to go the other way. I think that uh, I have to go first. Yeah. Yes. You go first. Did I say that wrong? Absolutely. I pro- Okay, great. Here, doing this live. All right. Here we go. Stackers. I'm Joe's mom's cousin Diana, and today we're live in Austin, Texas, which is known for its quirky vibe, its huge music scene, and some amazing food. Well, today we're joined by Julian Saunders, who knows a thing or two about good food, so let's work that intersection. 
Austin is home of the amazing, award-winning Franklin Barbecue, which Aaron Franklin works 300 days every year. If you aren't familiar with Franklin Barbecue, you may not know that on average, people begin lining up around 6 a.m. You may not know that they sell out of meat every single day. You also may not know that over 20,000 people per year are fed by Franklin. But let's see if our panel knows this one. How many pounds of meat each year does Franklin Barbecue cook? I'll be back with the answer just as soon as our panelists guess, where's the beef? All right. <laughs> Paula, Paula got that reference. All meat? I did. I did. All meat or just beef? All the meat. All the meats. <laughs> All the meats. Franklin Barbecue. One year. Oh, gee, you get to kick this off. So, 300 days of work, 20,000 people. I got those clues. You don't get to look it up. No. <laughs> he's Googling he's, this. He's, he's not Googling it. Don't be Googling it. <laughs> Len's going to lose. He's losing. He's got the calculator out, OG. All right. I Diana's can, watching. I can support a calculator. All right. So, 20,000 people, 300 days. Uh, you can tell how cutthroat this is, Julian. Yeah, These people play for keeps. Hundred people a day, I think that works out to be seven times two, twenty-one thousand, give or take. The average person would eat a half a pound of meat a day. So, wow, <laughs> I would never poop again. <laughs> it's Franklin barbecue, man. It's delicious. That's right. So three hundred fifty times three hundred uh, ten thousand. So I'm going to say I'm going to put the steak in uh, eleven thousand three hundred and seven pounds 11,307 11,307 Mr. Saunders Oh, I would say uh, 50,000 pounds of meat. Oh, you think he's way low? Yeah. Yeah, you think we're bigger uh carnivores than OG does. This is Texas. <laughs> That's true. Everything's bigger in Texas. Paula, Jeez. you got 50,000 and 11,307. So, I guess the question is do I want to capture the the in-between or the downside, given the amount of math that OG did in order to arrive at 11,307 and the assumption that, that like that's predicated on a person eating a half a pound of meat a day, which sounds like a lot, I'm going to guess 11,306. Well, 11,000. And that's how it's done right there. She gave you the upside, Julian. Julian thinks people eat seven pounds of meat a day. <laughs> a brisket alone is around 18 pounds. Yeah. If you've ever seen the line at that place, I mean, it's, it's a monster. It's a lot of meat. It's, it's a monster line. You got to think of ribs and all the other stuff. We would, I said meat. We, would, we uh, would love to tell you who's right. I have no idea. We can continue this argument about it after we find out the answer, but we'll be right back. Stackers, you already know that buying a car can be frustrating. You usually feel like... The other person's got a lot more information than you do. Well, guess what? When you become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. Buying a car the last two times has been so easy for me. And also some of the notes I'm getting from you stackers about your Navy Federal Credit Union car buying experience has also been great. You can finance if you need to through them, buy it with their help, protect it and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. If you need to finance, they have low rates and pre-approval. It's going to be good for 90 days so that while you're shopping, you have your budget locked in. You know what can you can afford and nobody can talk you out of that. And if you're buying new, you can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service. I used this and it saved me so much money. The Navy Federal Experience Powered by TrueCar allows you to pit dealers against each other. Forget all the phone calls that you get. Let dealers go up against each other. It's like they're bidding for your business. It's, it's pretty awesome. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax. So if you're buying used, you can dig into what problems the car might have had. Geico, of course, to insure it. Sirius XM for enjoyment. They're always available with 24-7 member service representative to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org forward slash car buying. It's NavyFederal.org forward slash car buying. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing. 
but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Oh, gee, you set the stake at 11,307. How are you feeling now? Uh, I think it's a little light. I was definitely thinking in terms of after cook weight. I was not, I was not accounting for the, uh, for the runoff. The of, shrinkage. Yeah. Damn, there's, shrinkage, there's a lot of stuff that comes off yeah. those big briskets. It's a lot of... Why does every guy squirm when you say first shrinkage? No, just you. <laughs> just me. Why do I squirm? <laughs> Awkward. Paula. You took the downside, 11.306. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm marveling at the fact that you have now said, set the stakes at, no one has called you on the pun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and finally, it, there's one here, one person paying attention here. <laughs> Julian, you've got the entire upside. I mean, you could be way lower than 50,000 and you and Len still have it. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm guessing, but I don't, I think, I think they're low. Well, here we go. Diana, you ready? Stackers, okay, the deliberations are over and the votes are locked. Franklin Barbecue is often referred to as the best barbecue in town, but there are lots of other iconic brands that call Austin home. Chewy's Mexican food began right here in Austin, as did Torchy's Tacos. And that restaurant with the most famous signs on the internet, El Arroyo. I love those signs. Do you, Joe? Those are fantastic signs. Are you not familiar with El Arroyo? Here are some of my favorites. I don't always roll a joint, but when I do, it's usually my ankle. But up up. What? Okay, I actually really love this one. What if soy milk is just regular milk introducing itself in Spanish? <laughs> and how about this one? My housekeeping style can be best described as there appears to have been a struggle. But we're not here for El Arroyo Torchies or Cheese. We're here for Franklin Barbecue. Our question was, how many pounds of meat do Aaron Franklin and his team cook every year? If you said 250,000, that's way too low. But if you said 650,000, you'd be our winner. So that makes it Julian. 600. And 50,000. I was thinking a week. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> oh, that is gross. <laughs> That's a lot of meat, Julian. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you people? Hey, Paula, good thing you took the downside. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the average person eats way more than half a pound. <laughs> Slightly. All right. Congratulations, Julian. You and Len, now uh, you help Len get into first place. I'm sure you... Tied for first. Yeah. He, he brisket totally ties for first. And Paula? Maybe next time. Wow. Hey, the second half of this conversation, hello, Hello. is uh, brought to you by Magnify Money. Julian, you know what happens when you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money? Tell me. You find out, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) I love the look. Those financial products you use every day from your brick and mortar bank, probably not best in class. I don't know if you know this, but over 95% of all the stuff that's online ranked head-to-head at magnifymoney.com. You go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney, tell them we sent you, and get better banking products. That sounds awesome. I'm going to do that right now. (laughs) Nope, you're staying here because we are now to Paula Pant. What's the Afford Anything community worried about? The Afford Anything community worries about, is the market too nuts in 2021? That's what I'm hearing lately. If If you're asking for a timely topic, it's 2021 makes no sense. All of the assets are high. How do we deal with it? Let's let's get nerdy on that, OG. Uh, the VIX, just before we recorded this, that's the indicator that shows risk in the market, just jumped through the roof just before we recorded this a couple days before. So what do you think? Market market too high? I think it's really important always just to recognize like what you're trying to define as high. Oh, apparently, everybody's getting fist bumps. I think I'm not getting a fist bump. And weird handshakes. Fist handshakes. Fist shakes. Fist shakes. Yes. Is that that what it's called? Fist hugs? Yes. That's really awkward. Fugs. 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 (laughs) 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 got a new word. TM. uh, Now we're going to say TM. TM. I'm going to make the t-shirt out of that. TM. A whole bunch of 
give a lot of fugs around here. I, I give zero fucks. <laughs> That is the number of fugs I give. Oh, I, feel, I feel better about botching the earlier part of this yes. segment. Oh, gee, the, uh, the fix is through the roof. Oh, this is all staying in. Risk seems to yes, risk risk seems to be high, and, and and for people wondering, Paula did botch the, it, so we had to redo the stock it. Stock market is always high. That's what it does. It always goes up. I don't. I, I got to look this up again. I had it and I don't remember it. The number of days a year that. The S and P hits all uh, new highs. It's something like a third of the time. It's always going up, you know. So when you say it's at an all-time high, it was at an all-time high in 2017. It was at an all-time high in 2006. It was an all-time high in 1947. You know, so all of that is just—it's frustration and it's the inability to make decisions. Like we were talking about earlier, like what people are thinking about and there's too much information or not enough information. There's not enough action, you know? So what's the worst that happens if you invest today and the stock market goes down 20%? If it goes down and stays down for the entirety of humanity, yes, that turned out to be a bad idea. That's never happened before. So it's unlikely that it will happen that the stock market goes down from today and never goes back up again. I just don't see that as an outcome. And if it does, there's other issues that we have to deal with. So, you always need to be investing. It doesn't matter what's what's happening. Is he right, Julian? Are we often worried about the wrong stuff? I think there are some people that have justifiable reasons to be concerned about that. Those are typically people who spend a lot of time sort of analyzing and maybe overanalyzing, and they maybe really enjoy that process of trying to time the market. I'm not one of those people. Um, I don't spend a lot of time focusing on those things. I would much rather focus on... Um, the amount of income and how I'm earning the income, right? You know? Are you worried about the market being high yourself, though? No, I've, I've never been. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm at a very interesting point in my life. I'm very fortunate. I, I don't really spend a lot of time paying attention to those things. Um, it's not my interest, um, and it doesn't. But I just feel like you wouldn't money. anyway. Why? I say that because I think you put your money in an index fund, and you're a long-term investor, and that's what you do. And I believe in that strategy. Yes. So, yeah. Th- that's exactly. Yeah. It. So I don't really spend a lot of time. I'm sort of focusing on whether or not it's high or it's low. That's not really my focus. Yeah. Diana, worried about it? No. I mean, when I invest my money, I I actually look at it as like a tax where in my mind, that money's gone. I paid a tax to my future self. I'm going to throw it in an index fund and I'm not going to be looking at this for, you know, a decade or more. So I'm good. And for a long time, you taxed the hell out of yourself, didn't you? I sure did. You did. At a 60% rate. Yes. That's a hell of a tax rate. Paula, are you worried about it? I'm not, no. I think long-term. I mean, uh, to to echo what everyone else has said, if you take a long-term vantage point, then there's nothing to worry about. But Okay, let's change the game. How about this crazy real estate market? You know, so this real estate market is... The run-up is a result of very different factors than the run-up that happened in 2006, 2005, 2006, 2007. Are you worried about it? No. OG, worried about real estate? No, I think different situation, like Paul said, monetary liquidity is kind of the reason. I think if you're buying a property for a long time, just like you would for any other type of investment, are you getting the best price? Eh, Maybe, maybe not, right? Should you have bought it seven months ago? Yes. Should you have bought it five years ago? Absolutely. Is today the, the, the best day or the worst day? Who knows? Is the bottom going to fall out of the real estate market nationally like it did in 2007? Probably not. Are there areas in, in the country where it's maybe a little overvalued? Perhaps. But um, I don't think that would change my investing decisions whatsoever. Let's stick with you then. You're the final person here. Yes. Stuff that... Uh, so you guys are all sitting here because of me? We won't talk about the show audience. Let's talk about your clients. What are they? What are they coming to you with that they're really worried about? We've been having some really interesting discussions lately about the other side of financial independence. Uh, we spent a lot of energy and effort getting on the front side of it. And if you're and if you're in the stage of paying off debt and starting your Roth and, and doing all that cool stuff at the beginning, what I'm about to say again, like we talked about earlier, seems like I'll never be there. But on the other side of financial independence is really kind of interesting because now what? Now what are you going to do? You know, you work in your 30s and your 40s and you save a boatload of money and you get to be 50 and now you can do it. You've got enough money to walk away. And then you go, but those idiots just gave me $250,000 of restricted shares. I should probably stay for another year. 
or, but I've got an eighth grader, so maybe I should hang out for a little while longer and just keep working. So I think that permission side of planning where you got to give yourself enough permission to go do the other stuff, whether that other stuff is financial independence and, you know, you quit, quit your job and whatever, or if it's live a little bit now because tomorrow's not promised to everybody. So that's kind of an interesting thing that's going on right now in some of the people that we're working with on planning. Julian, I think, I think, let me see if I have your story right. I think that you had a job that paid well, gave you, like OG said, a comfortable income. Was it hard cutting that to do your own thing? Uh, no, I actually left my job under unfortunate circumstances. Um, and so I was actually sort of quitting as an act of empowerment. I mean, even at that point, I, I told people, I was like, I didn't quite have FU money yet, but I have, I don't have to deal with this bleep money. Yeah. Um, and it was enough for me to walk away. So you weren't happy? No, no, I was not. I, well, I was happy, but then like I really got blindsided by a bunch of BS and it was really unfortunate. And so, uh, but I sort of turned that into a positive and said, you know what, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to really uh, see if I believe that I am the person that I described on LinkedIn. If you believe you are that person and you are the strategic visionary thought leader and all of the insert <laughs> fluffy words, we'll put your money where your mouth is and be the creative person that you believe that you are. And I'm pretty fortunate that that's kind of worked out. My friend uh, Carter Cofield said yesterday during a great breakout that he gave that you need to surround yourself with people who think bigger about you than you do yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel that. I mean, I remember just wanting to win, you know, the team award or the, the department award and just always kind of falling short. And it wasn't until sort of the end of my tenure at this company and in that department where I kind of felt like, oh, there were forces sort of against me that I had absolutely no control over. And I'm not here to sort of whine about those things. Yeah. Those things happen. I was just fortunate at that point to say, you know what, this is why you did the work. This is why you sort of lived below your means and invested consistently and developed these skill sets outside of your job so that when something happened, if it wasn't that, it could have been an injury. It could have been my mother being sick or any other number of reasons that sort of happened. And so life happened as it tends to do. Uh, and I was able to sort of use the parachute that I'd sort of been building over the last couple of years and sort of pivot into a life of creative entrepreneurship. I love it. Turn it into a positive. Take this horribly negative thing and make it make it your thing. Yeah. yeah. Paula, you've been working for yourself for a long time. Would you ever go back and work for somebody else? Get back in that game? I think there's a 99% probability that the answer is no. And the only rare exception in which I would ever consider it would be either if I were to be working with a team that I really respected and valued in a major way. But now I feel like you get to build that yourself. I do, but sometimes a team is already formed, and if they were to invite me to be part of it, yeah. and I was like, wow, this is a, a, a kick-butt team, I want to be part of this team. Yeah. You know, if a pre-existing team was so amazing that I, I could not imagine anything more growing, more inspirational, um, more gratifying than learning from them and working with them, that's the only set of circumstances in which I would consider it. It's amazing. It's about the people, which is why I'm glad that we all got to get together again and get this, get this done. It's so cool, cool, weird to be back together, but so glad you guys could hang out with us here for a little bit. Let's find out what's happening where all of you live and work before we sign off. OG, what do you got going on after this? Oh, goodness. Uh, we're getting into October now, so uh, elbow deep in school. We've got a really fun uh, team retreat that we're doing for my other business. We're going to Colorado for a week, so that's coming up. My And my in-laws get to come visit. And oddly, my team retreats the same time as my in-laws that's being here. So, you know, sadly, I'm going to miss, miss uh, hanging out with them. It's weird how that the scheduling conflict just, happened. I mean, it was just really unfortunate. It is. That that's that's horrible. This, uh, Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything? Oh, how interesting. So now we're doing the sign-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not halfway through the part. show. Yep. Yes, you can tell Paula's been up a long time. I have, I have. I've been awake for a very long time. I was in, uh, I was up at 6 a.m. doing hair and makeup. Um, After going to bed at what time? Around 1 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been a long couple of days, and it's going to continue to be a long couple of days. But to answer your question, Joe... On the Afford Anything podcast, every other week, we have a guy by the name of Joe Salci. What? I know, right? That guy. Right, that guy. So he comes and ruins the show every other week. <laughs> if you'd like to hear how that happens. The joke's on you because you keep inviting me back. I know, right? 
Well, and then I, uh, I get to watch your show. So, you know, it's, the, we're there, even. There it is. We destroy each other's stuff. <laughs> yeah. Diana, before we get to our guest of honor here. Can you guess what I'm doing? I am planning a party about money. Are you Are you kidding? Really? It's Tell us the, about it. It's called the Economy Conference. It's pretty much like positioned as the TED Talks of the Fire Movement. So we've got some amazing main stage speakers. We are closing out the show with an incredible panel with you, Joe, and you, Paula. And we've got J.D. Roth, and we've got... Julian's other half, Kirsten on the panel. It's going to be amazing. So it is happening mid-November. We are kicking off the weekend with the Stacking Benjamin show. Friday night. Tickets to that going pretty briskly as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I am all systems go focused on that. I can't wait. So are we. We put together, I think, a pretty fun show. We decided this last week what the theme's going to be for that show and for our tour. And uh, I can't wait. I can't tell anybody. But Julian, do, do thanks. Do I get to know? Thanks to... <laughs> Maybe later. Okay. Talk to me later. Thanks. Julian, thanks for hanging out with us again, man. It has been a pleasure. The bromance always, continues. It's, it's always fun to you know, keep the candle, <laughs> <laughs> keep things spicy in here. I love it. By the way, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm hosting the Plutus Awards tonight, and I have the best joke, and it is at your expense. Oh, that's just one. It is going to be fantastic. Mm, keep it clean, Joe. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> What's, what are you not doing at Rich and Regular? Because, you know, there's like the podcast, the videos, the writing, the holy cow. Yeah, it's a lot. I, you know what? We're really busy. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to getting the second half of our video series out. We are already having conversations about season three and season four. Now tell everybody, let's talk about this because you're sure. around food, but, you, but you're, you're in different cities around the nation too, right? Yeah. So what we've been doing is um, traveling the country, having conversations with some of our favorite people, personal finance experts, investors, writers, etc. Um, but we center those conversations around, around a really interesting meal. Uh, and the goal is, and a lot of it, I, I would say, has been inspired with some of the conversations that we would have here at FinCon. We would, as much as we love, let's say, talking and, and, and being in a group for a podcast, what we found is that some of the best conversations were the ones being had on the bus on the way to a dinner yeah. or at the bar. And so what we really wanted to do was try to recreate that and replicate that feel so that viewers felt like they were sort of part of a dinner or a dining experience. And the first season we did it at home because we were sort of in the early stages of the pandemic and we were kind of forced to do that. And it kind of felt like people were just joining us for dinner. Now we sort of broke out. We're traveling, meeting with friends. And it's really just about making these types of personal finance conversations a little so bit more. You were just in Cleveland? Uh, yeah, we've been to Cleveland, Tulsa, Oklahoma, New York City, uh, Oakland, California, and... Where, where did you meet Lynette at? Uh, Houston, Texas. That was in Houston, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really cool. Yep, yeah. that's awesome. And by the way, we will link to everything rich and regular on our show notes page at Stacking Benjamins, as we will the Economy Conference, Afford Anything. It's going to do it for today. Diana, you ready? What should we have learned today? Well, let me tell you what we should have learned today, Joe. First, money problems, there's always a solution. Like the song says, put one step in front of the other and soon you'll be running out the door with bags full of money. Woo! Second, in the words of Paula Pants, don't get so stuck in the weeds that you lose sight of the big picture. Because then you'll, because then you'll, um, what's the word? What's our new word? Fug it up. And then you'll fuck it up. <laughs> But the big lesson, all of this talk about Austin food earlier has got me hungry. I think the big lesson is don't podcast before eating. Thanks to Julian Saunders from Rich and Regular for joining us. You'll find links to Julian and Kirsten's videos, podcasts, writing, and more at richandregular.com. Thanks also to Paula Pant for joining us. You'll find a link to afford anything on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to FinCon for hosting us today. It's great to be out of the basement with everyone again. And probably the biggest announcement of all, join me and all of the people on this stage at Economy. Economy is a party about money that's happening this November at the University of Cincinnati. We're kicking off the weekend with a live recording of the Stacking Benjamin Show on November 12th. Learn more and grab your ticket. Head over to economyconference.com.
I feel like I just got here. Now we're bam. It's like a Monday. Are, twice. I are you just dancing? Times. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm getting into it. All right, and Round action. Two. All right, here we go. All right, let's get this party started. Uh, wrong button. Let's get this party started. That's very precise, but it's not necessarily accurate. If You're you... shooting at the wrong target. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's good. The uh, I forgot my next question. <laughs> I was I was so into that and I had it ready and it's a good one. Hold on. Fighting the wrong dragon. Let's just go with that. We find that a lot though, Paula. People are often fighting the wrong dragon, as OG likes to say. I do say that a lot. <laughs> Very recently, as a matter of fact. <laughs> recently in that part we cut out? Just now? I, I would regard that as both precise and accurate. <laughs> That's right. I what the hell were we talking about before that? I don't know, but I'm on Game of Thrones at this point, so if we don't uh, forest, keep on going with the Forest dragons. through the trees. <laughs> um. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.